0: Hello everyone and welcome to this abbreviated edition of the From the Hack podcast. I am currently finalizing our 2020 bar preview, which will include interviews with John Epping of Team Ontario, Darren Moulding of Team Alberta, Ben Hebert of Team Canada, Matt Dunstone of Team Saskatchewan and Jeff Walker of Team Newfoundland and Labrador, among others. However, I wanted to share a conversation I had earlier today with Carrie Anerson, fresh off winning her first career Scotties title. We talk about how well she played in the one versus two game against Jennifer jones we talk about that incredible tap for two in the sixth end of the final i asked carrie why she chose to draw against two instead of hitting on her last rock of the 10th and we discuss how she regrouped so quickly from that big miss to make the championship winning draw in the extra end all that more on this abbreviated edition of the from the hack podcast So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams, at the World Championships, and at Nationals in Canada and the US, well, the answer is provided by Jedice, whose in-ice graphics, from Easy and Textile logos to the world-famous Jedice Full House product, are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and textile logos are the industry standard for high quality logos and are a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. The 2020 Scotties was an exceptional event that generated many stories, from the moving tribute to Allie Jenkins on opening weekend to Team Nunavut winning two games in the round robin and scaring a few other teams along the way, to Jennifer Jones pulling a few rabbits out of her hat on the way to another playoff appearance, and to Team Holman coming oh so close for a second consecutive year. However, it was Manitoba's Team Anderson that stole the show. Making their first Scotty's appearance as a team, they lost only twice all week, including a game versus New Brunswick, where they gave up a seven-ender. However, they parked that loss quickly and charged into the playoffs, where Kerry Anderson put on a hitting exhibition in the one versus two game that probably had even Kevin Cooey smiling. In the championship game, Team Anderson was leading 7-3 to after six ends, only to watch a resilient team Holman fight back to tie the game at seven. It was then that Carrie Innerson made the biggest shot of her life, a draw to the forefoot in the eleventh end to secure her first career Scotties title. Carrie joined me to discuss the Scotties, her team's win in the championship final, and to look ahead to the women's worlds in Prince George BC. Carrie, we'll discuss the key moments from the Scotties final in a few moments, but I'd uh, remiss if I didn't ask you if it has sunk in yet that you are a Scotties champion as we are speaking some 48 hours after that Scotties final.
1: Uh, it still really hasn't sunk in. I've just been still on the go. I was at work today, and um, my work is so amazing. They uh, set up, uh, they put a poster up on my my door, and as soon as I... Walked in, there's a counterflake sitting there saying, Congratulations, Clearly and yeah, it feels really amazing.
0: Before we do discuss the Scotty's final carry, I wanna take you back to the one versus two game for a minute you often hear players from different sports talking about being in the zone. You certainly look like you were in the zone in your game versus team Jennifer Jones in that one versus two game. Have you ever had a game like that? And I'm not talking about the mixed league at the club in Gimli or in a early season tour event in a major event. Have you ever had a game where it seemed that there wasn't a shot you couldn't make? I haven't had one of those games in a really long time. It felt really good to just get out
1: there and, And yeah, like every time I put the berm down, I was just throwing it really well. And and Val and my sweepers were were doing a good job managing it. And um, yeah, I felt really good and really confident.
0: Now I have to ask you, after a game like that, after that one versus two game, I'm sure there was a part of you that felt like you could make anything at that point. But I'm also wondering if there was a small part of you that was a little concerned that you may have uh, used up all your mojo in that one game.
1: No, after that game, I just felt really confident. And, uh, you know, I just uh, almost had a feeling that this could be our time to to win this thing. So I just thought to myself, if I can keep this going forward, uh, uh, we should uh, be in good
0: shape. Uh, let's move on to the championship final now. And starting the 6th, Andrew, your team was up 4-2. And you were left with a heavy draw to nudge one of your own rocks onto the button for a second point. Let me first say that your facial expressions during that shot were quite entertaining. Now, that aside, in the midst of a game like that, most players are so focused on the task at hand that they often move on quickly from the result of each shot, so they don't really get to appreciate when they actually make a great shot. That said, I'm curious if there was a part of you that took a moment to appreciate just how ridiculously good that shot actually was.
1: Yeah, I didn't really realize my facial expression after that shot. But I guess I was yelling so loud, and then just in the moment, and then it caught me, (laughs) it looked like I was going to cry. But uh, it was uh, such an unbelievable team shot. Uh, My sweepers shot it really well, and I knew I'd be really
0: close with it. And I think that was one of my favorite shots that I've ever made. In the eighth end, you scored one point to take a seven to three lead, and it would have been really easy for your team to kind of get lost in the moment and start looking ahead to what it might feel like uh, if and when you won that championship final, seeing as such you had such a comfortable lead. That said, what was the conversation like for your team between the eighth and ninth ends, especially when you kind of looked down the ice and you knew that your opposition was Team Holman and that despite a seven to three lead, there's nothing ever guaranteed when you're playing against an opponent of that quality yeah we just
1: uh say just said ourselves stay focused and you know i know we're we're up but uh rachel and her team are amazing and they were making so many shots and we just knew we had to just uh keep doing our thing and and not letting too too many rocks get into play rachel uh, um made some really really big shots and uh yeah so we just knew that if we could uh just keep doing our thing and uh, force them to one or hold them to two, would be, we would be in good shape.
0: So now, uh, Carrie, unfortunately, I have to move on to the 10th end. Uh, I think the first question people would want me to ask you about that end is why you chose to draw against two with your last rock of that end when your hit game had been lights out in both the one versus two game and in the final up to that point.
1: Yeah, I, uh, when I got down to the hack, I kind of looked at it, and I was like, well, I can see it, but I can't see as much as I did on my first one. But I've always dreamed about making a draw to the forefoot for the win. And as soon as I like put the berm down and I got into the hack, and as soon as I kicked out, I liked my kick, but then I added a little too much. And uh, I knew, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I thought maybe it would stop in time, but yeah, just that little bit of an add, it just Uh, glided a little too far just a foot heavy um, which was unfortunate
0: A moment ago I mentioned your reaction to that shot in the 6th end and then uh, TSN showed a clip of you as your draw in the 10th was making its way down the ice and from your facial expressions it looked like you went from elation to despair to game on within a few seconds How were you able to apparently turn the switch off so quickly after missing that important draw in the 10th end?
1: Yeah, I knew, and I kind of just looked up, and i just seen it just look a little too deep. I I just looked at myself, and I was like, Gary, you're not losing this. I'm not losing this for my teammates and for myself. We will make that draw to the forefoot in the extra. And I just told my team, I'm like, okay, sorry, guys, <laughs> go to the extra. And, and Val said, if we want it, if this is where we thought we would be, we would take it. And I said, yep. So let's just make all eight in the extra,
0: and we did. Now, Kerry, let's move on to your final stone of the game, uh, which was the same turn, I believe, as your draw in the 10th. Just wondering if that was the plan all along, entering the extra. And also, what were you thinking when you were down in the hack, preparing to throw the rock, knowing that there were no second chances on this one?
1: Yeah, I didn't really uh, have a plan of what draw or which side I was going to take. Um, I just knew that... Um, was going to feel comfortable with any turn. Uh, It just ended up that way, the way we played our kicks, that um, um, one of our kicks didn't go far enough over, so they ended up using that as their guard. Um, And I had also thrown that pass earlier in the game, and I hadn't thrown too too many draws that game, but um, I knew that pass, and I knew what
0: weight I was going to have to throw on it. So the rock comes to a stop carry and you've won the friggin' Scotties. What's the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: As that rock was going down, as soon as I let it go, I just, I felt it. I just knew that it was really close and um, that I was just hoping to don't pick or do something silly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the girls were cleaning it the whole way down and uh, weren't brushing it too hard. And as soon as it came to the hog line and I knew right then and there that it was, it was good. And, Same with Val, she got a good time on it, so she was like, this is perfect, and uh, yeah, I just started shaking, and I was just so excited, uh, just a dream come true.
0: Obviously, winning the Scotties meant a lot to you, Carrie, but tell me a little bit about Val Sweeting, who had twice tasted defeat in the Scotties' final when she skipped her own team. During Scotties' week and in interviews following the final, you said that you also really wanted to win the Scotties for Val. Tell me what Val has meant, not only to your team, but also to you as you've grown as teammates over the past two seasons. Oh,
1: Val's such an amazing person and on and off the ice. She is smart, um and she knows the game really well and when I put the berm down and I get clarity from her that it looks good that I trust it and um um if she ever thinks that we need more or less she's always uh uh giving her opinion and I trust it and um I think her and I have uh come a long way and we've grown together and um it's been a really good friendship and uh
0: I consider her one of my really good friends. Of all the members of your team, your front end of Brienne Maillard and uh, Shannon Burchard are the ones that had the biggest adjustments to make after joining the team. Not only did they have to adjust to new positions, they also had to adapt to not being in the thick of the decision-making process on each shot, the way they had when they were skipping their own teams, and they also had to transform their bodies to help them become stronger sweepers. Can you talk about the level of commitment that Brienne and Shannon have shown in learning their new positions and on becoming elite front-end players over the past two seasons?
1: Yeah, like they are unbelievable. They are in the gym. They are um, eating healthy and, you know, just staying in really great shape. Um, We had some injuries last year, and that's because their bodies weren't used to it. Um, But uh, this year they are... um, doing a lot more physio and massages and just uh, keeping up and keeping their muscles in really good shape and keeping them loose. And I've just been so incredibly impressed with the way that they have taken on their front end roles and how strong they really are. They can hold a rock and I believe I have two of the best front end sweepers uh, in this game. So I am
0: very lucky to have them as well as teammates and friends. Carrie, the four players on the ice are the ones that understandably get all the attention. That said, the alternate and the coach also play important roles if a team is ever to win the Scotties. Tell me about how invaluable your alternate Jen and your coach Patty were for your team in Moose Jaw.
1: Oh, they're such an important asset to our team. Jen was absolutely amazing and uh, she's such a great, smart player and... She's been uh, been a fifth for Jen's uh, for, Jen for uh, numerous years and um, I've played with her and mixed and uh, she's such a lot of fun and uh, she always is down for a good laugh and someone to sit down and talk to and uh, we got to throw her in for a game which was really nice and she was third for me and she did an amazing job, she, she shot lights out. Um, and with Patty, our coach, she, uh, she's she been uh, really amazing to just uh, keep making sure we're doing our right things, keeping us in check. And uh, um, we brought her back on board just um, at the last slam in Yorkton and then for provincials and now, and then for nationals. So she's, uh, she's brought us a long way and we're so happy to have her back with us she's a huge asset to our team as well and uh, uh she definitely uh gets us laughing uh uh when we need it so we're
0: very lucky to have both of them and finally carrie the next stop for you and your team is the women's worlds in prince george how excited are you about the fact that you will soon be competing with a maple leaf on your back
1: oh it's gonna be an unbelievable feeling um There might be a little pressure put on us, but we won't let that get to us. We're just going to enjoy every single minute of it and really embrace it. Um, It's
0: such an honor to wear that maple leaf on your back, and uh, we couldn't be more proud to wear it. If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalists, Sweden's Team Hasselberg? Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar Champs, Team Kui, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiranzoni? Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit our website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. And that does it for this episode of the From the Hack podcast. Look for our 2020 Briar preview later this week. And if you haven't done so yet, please remember to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.